0: Welcome to Struggle for Change, a podcast about the struggles faced by real educators and real students. All right, welcome back to another episode of Struggle for Change podcast. I hope in this new scene uh, that we will be setting, your mind will be opened, your eyeballs will be shining bright, and you'll come to the future with a new sense of curiosity. And I'm being very general right now because we have a lot to talk about. I'm first going to just remind you that my name is
1: Emily Hendricks. Hey, y'all. Super duper excited to be introducing this concept that people are going to be hopefully jumping on the wagon to, or I don't know, not jumping on a wagon here. They're going to lay down in Shavasana. For this, I think that is a better analogy. I am Valerie Sun and super excited to be here.
2: Hey everyone, uh, Tracy Bondy, CTO trying to change the world. I am also very interested in this topic and hope that you find it meaningful for where you are on your journey. I'm going to start
0: describing something to you as a person that um, has never actually stepped foot into the space we're about to explore. And that is because I did not attend the Spring Q conference this year. And my other two cohort uh, friends, in fact, did attend this amazing conference. And I I was a little bit sad face, but I'm always happy to to hear the various stories and tellings afterwards. And one of these tellings that popped out when we were talking amongst ourselves was that there was a a special space set up in this huge conference that they have every year for Q, which is like an EdTech conference that um, has two conferences a year, and the spring conference is always the biggest in, in Palm Springs, and it's a hustle bustle conference, um, really great close-knit community, of thousands of people. Um, I've been before as a presenter, and it's a, it's a really great place to be um, every March. Normally, you'll see crowds of people um, rushing to the next session or maybe catching up with people they haven't seen in like six months to a year. Um, maybe furiously prepping their slides for their session in 10 minutes. There's, there's a lot of activity in the hallway. It's very hard to find that little sense, that little seedling of zen that um, can help usually when we're at home or like in our hotel room. You, you kind of crash at the end of the day at these conferences and just sort of like drift off. To Never Never Land, <laughs> it's exhausting, um, but in a good way. Depending on your personality, it can sometimes be pretty stressful. Uh, if you, if you, it's hard to keep on top of it. At this conference this year, uh, Tracy and Valerie walked into down like a, a very busy hallway in the, one of the main buildings of the conference and started to notice some sensory things that shifted. Tracy, why don't you tell us? What did you notice when you turned that corner and you felt differently?
2: Yeah, thank you um, for that overview of the topic for tonight. So we did a dry run of the space in the fall in a room at Fall Q, and the intention was to get a feel with our membership regarding, is there value here? Uh, Is this something that I want to learn more about what might it feel like to go into a room that's extremely hands-on and experiential, Um, and the feedback was really good. So a committee formed with some of our leaders throughout the state that are dedicated to this topic, and out of that evolved the wellness space at Spring Q. And this space uh, was hosted by an outside vendor, Axiom, so I want to give them kudos, A-X-I-O-M. And they're an org that does this for a living, so they were happy to support our effort of wanting to introduce the concept of wellness related to mental health, well-being, uh, kindness, and inclusion, and the many elements of Zen that we hear so much about to teachers and administrators. And that was what we achieved um, at Spring Q. Uh, And I'll let Val share what her impressions were, only because I was a little more intimately involved in the planning. So I'd love to hear what her thoughts were as an attendee and a leader in Q who actually went in and experienced the space
1: for herself. So I do have to say, I absolutely love the space at Fall Q. Um, There were little buckets of Legos that we could use that was grouped by colors. There was a nice basket of lavender that we could put into little sachets because we know the scent of lavender calms us. There was... Um, a little painting area, a coloring area. There was really nice, calming music that was playing. So I was a huge fan of this at Fall Q already. And to see the space to be magnified, to be even bigger at Spring Q, I was totally happy. Like, happy, happy does not do justice to how I felt about seeing the room. And the fact that there were actually two rooms this time where there was an activity room where people could whisper to each other. Um there was also another room where people can meditate or take a nap. There were yoga mats laid out, there were these little comfy I don't know what they were called, like cushiony-like thingies that people could sit on as well or lay down on. And People were actually napping in there. It was amazing. Can you imagine being in a conference, being so mentally stimulated and here is a space ready to embrace you and let you rest, give you those 10, 15, 20 minutes of rest that you need to recuperate and go on and learn some more. I knew I was getting closer to the wellness room because I smelled the lavender first and it was amazing.
0: Wow. Lavender. Yeah. Did they, was there any um, music playing or any um, ambiance aside from
1: smells and the olfactory senses? Yes. um, There was music played at a very specific decibel, right? Tracy, I remember you mentioning that or Eddie telling me that. Um, It was music played at a specific frequency. Frequency. There you go.
2: There you go. Yeah. So most of it was 432 hertz because that is uh, the heart chakra and or like 528 hertz, which I think is the solar plexus. But the intention, I mean, everything was so intentional. Every location, every book, every article, every artifact, the sound, the smell, the all the senses were stimulated. And, you know, the room was literally offset a little bit from the rest of the building, right, Val? So that it wasn't part of the long rows that you would walk in the halls to get to sessions. Um, but yeah, that the sound therapy and the sound bowls, which are very old, old Asian... Buddhist, uh, concepts from hundreds of years ago made their way into this space. Uh, they had different vibe in each room, like, um, Val mentioned. So one, even though it was still quiet, it was far more hands-on interactive, you know, people would come in and ask questions. Well, how do I get this started in my staff lounge? Or, you know, we have a wellness space at our high school, but it doesn't quite look like this. And how did you get this funding? And how do you handle this? A lot of logistics, Right. And then just a lot of people that walked in there and you could just, I know i watched this Val as people walked in, they just softened, right? Their, their shoulders dropped, they just would calm themselves. So even just walking into the space, the sound and the smell alone, I think set a very intentional tone and then forget the Zen room. When you walked in there, there were no lights, there was the salt lamp, there were the, um, pads that Val mentioned, there were yoga mats, but for people to feel comfortable enough to go in there and stretch, take off their shoes. You know, you think about conferences, a microcosm of our school workplaces, right? And imagining doing that in a workplace at a school as the adults in the room is rather tricky, but man, they were, they were all in. Fantastic. And Thinking back, like how does this compare to
0: um, sort of these central community esque spaces in previous conferences that you've attended? There have been things that I've seen, like make like kind of like makerspace playgrounds that people can try out. Um, like when they first had like iPads and coding apps and like different bots that you could try, or um, like hands on, getting more hands on with with this technology to try it out as an educator was like kind of this free for all, like uh, facilitated space. Would this be considered kind of a new sort of
1: playground area? Or I definitely think the tech spaces and the tech playgrounds, maker spaces, are still important because that is one aspect of innovative learning that students can partake in. Keeping that in mind, though, we also need a place to rest right? It's not like you're going to knock down the gym to build a performing arts center. You know, you need both the performing arts center and the gym at a school site, right? So you need a maker space or a fab lab or an innovations lab. And you also need to provide this wellness space where students can actually go and relax. I mean, if you think about it, are our classrooms comfortable? Are students Sit in these chairs all day long. And for the classrooms that don't have flexible seating, if they have the old school chair that is connected to the desk, oh my goodness, can you imagine sitting in that for hours on end? Especially for the kiddos who are in block scheduling, right? Don't get me wrong, I love block scheduling. But at the same time, if they are not comfortable or if the seating isn't comfortable, how are we going to give them that stimulation to learn, right? Like our body is constantly fighting for comfort.
2: Yeah, and I, I, I do want to add on, I, I agree with Val that there's a need for innovation labs. There's a need for fab labs because we're still on this really new journey as an industry around integrating hands-on PBL-based spaces. And, and you know, maker spaces are not always tech-infused. Sometimes there's no tech but it's an area where students are encouraged to play. Um, the, the need now that I see, and, and I think we've had it for a long time, but COVID has done so many things to change our industry, um, as it has the healthcare industry, that we are, are in a new level of crisis and the need for students and staff, teachers alike, having somewhere where they can go and get destimulated. Uh, allow their central nervous system to reset, allow their energy to to reset, allow things to calm down. You know, it has become so apparent as we've come out of COVID these last couple years, and in California, you know, depending on what county you're in and what district you're in, it's only been the last couple years. Um, so, I think that there's a need for both. I think right now. Districts and schools alike are struggling with what it is supposed to look like, which made this space at Q so powerful because the intention was such that there weren't a lot of things in either of the spaces that were super expensive. A lot of recycled materials, a lot of low-cost materials. Um, you know, a wellness space can look very different for kindergarten through third grade versus Ninth through twelfth grade, based on what's in the space, or it could be the same. Even having stuff like Play-Doh, card games, you know, coloring books and crayons—that's that's all really low cost. And a lot of teachers will make those requests of their uh, community every year. But to have that kind of opportunity for our students as well as our staff, and I think that's the part that I want to begin to really uh, talk about more and exploit more, is how might we rethink, is there a space next to a staff lounge, or a space next to a wellness center? Because I don't know that our, our teachers want to commingle in wellness rooms with the students, because they often need a wellness room away from the students, which is more than fair, right? Um So how might that look at our schools and in our districts? Because I think people are grappling with, well, you know, to do this thing right, we're going to have to, you know, gut this room and we might have to throw a wall down and we got to buy a bunch of furniture and, you know, we got to have certain people, you know, in there that are highly qualified psychologists and they need to be able to be prepared to do on the fly counseling. All good, folks. But I think that there's also an opportunity to do it on a much smaller scale, even in a classroom, Val. When you started talking about classrooms, I literally got this impression. I remember I used to go into this one room um, in one of the schools I would visit all the time as an IT leader, and they had a fantastic space that was super chill, super quiet, kind of tucked away in the corner. And that was a space where kids could go to de-escalate. We need a space where people can go to de-escalate including our teachers and, and admins.
1: The most used space in my classroom was actually a reading corner. It was like this little cubby ish like space, I mean, kindergarten, right? So I had bean bags laid out over there. There was like a little fuzzy carpet. Um, Andre, our school mas- our class mascot, hung out over there too. So then it was just a space where they could sit back, calm themselves, They could read a book if they want to. They could just sit and lay if they want to. And it was in my classroom where if they needed that break time, go ahead, take that break. Right. Um, And it, it was good. That was in 2015. All right.
2: So here we are in 2023. Right. And now we need more. Because we know, let's be blunt, we know not every teacher has that space, nor do they want that space. It's a certain kind of teacher that would create that environment. But our schools, more than ever, are needing these wellness spaces. Yes. But
1: that begs the question, when there is this space, when would this space be open for students to use? Are there like time limits, you know, like, can you go to this space when you, when it's technically class time, right? Can you use the space and miss instruction? Um, Or is it only during snack times? You know, can you imagine like how I, there was always a teacher's class that as much as I love school, I did not like going to this teacher's class because it was just a high stress environment. He wasn't the kindest person. You know, it was just very much like drill, 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 because we're it's an AP class, right? I would have loved to go to this space in the middle of that class just to, you know, calm down for a little bit and then go back in, right? But then depending on where the space would be, that would maybe be like a two-minute, five-minute walk to that space, Calm down, do what I need to do, come back, and then if we're in a 49 minute period, that time is gone. I just missed out on like, I don't know, twenty minutes of instruction, I missed out on half of my class. Is the teacher gonna be upset with me for not having been in class? If I am not the straight A student who I who I like to be, who I like aspire to be. And I just want to ditch my class. Is this a place that I can go to and say that? Well, it's because I need this mental recharge.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I'll, I'll speak to my experience when I was at Hillbrook for seven years. Like they, um, di- they had a they were grounded in responsive classroom approaches to a lot of things, and uh, in each team of teachers for every grade level, they kind of decided about like how they would handle take a break areas in each. Classroom And some of them looked, you know, kind of slim, like more slim and, and others are a little more um, cozy looking, but they all were quote unquote required to have like a, some kind of space where students could either be, be strongly encouraged to, or like on their own autonomous, like decision-making based on their, where they were at that day that they could step away to and along with that i know we're not just talking about spaces in classrooms but uh, like wellness rooms but like there there were always like boundary boundaries and frameworks for for like what is this a good time to take a break is this an appropriate time to take a break um no matter what grade like k through 8 and um i think if with these spaces when it, when it comes to students they're still learning how to be autonomous with like when they need to take a break and what like what that means and what consequences or like actions might come, um, if they were to step away. Um, and knowing like, is this a time that I really need to take for my, for myself and my mental health, or am I taking this to kind of go take a nap somewhere? Um, so I think it's a little, I'm guessing it'll be kind of one of those kind of complex issues where you need to have, a consistency with how the school promotes this space or, or this technique or this philosophy and make it consistent for students so that there's not a question between teachers like is it okay for me to step away with this teacher because it's fine with this teacher with these guidelines and parameters. Um, I saw it work like pretty well when it was an, kind of an organizational philosophy and then each teacher implemented it you know, as they saw was appropriate for their students.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's an interesting notion, right, to tell your student body um, that they can only have a crisis during these times during the day. So it, it does require, I think, a school culture decision around the purpose of the wellness center, clarity around the point of the wellness center, and then value in empowering our young people to self-regulate. I'm just thinking about Val. So Val, so you're in this high stress AP class. You absolutely despise this teacher. You're walking away and missing part of a lecture on a day to reset and um, recalibrate your central nervous system. My assumption would be that that would make you a better learner And that staying in that class and powering through as we've always done in education uh, probably would have been a disservice in that scenario, right? So just thinking about how Val described her own situation, I want to trust our students to make good judgment calls, even if they can't articulate why. And of course, we can go down every rabbit hole about all the things, you know, that could go wrong because we do that a lot in education, right? We like to be so uber prepared. But I feel like our, our students are struggling right now and they're unhappy right now. And they might be pulling straight A's and they might be drowning inside. So these assumptions, you know, that teachers will have, and I know they have it and I know that's fair. Around how to think about wellness centers um, is something I think to to make part of the school culture. A lot of districts are opening up wellness centers, and schools are having these conversations right now. when When can we staff it? Do we have the budget to staff it? Who's going to staff it? And having a space um, is becoming more and more important. Um, districts are now starting to build it onto their new student unions, they're starting to build it into their new libraries, they're rethinking how they are using their NPRs. Um, there's just a huge need. And its it's been there for a long time. If I had an opportunity to go to a wellness space back in the early 70s, in elementary school, when I despised all of my teachers, I would have done it. And, and I think we needed it then. But now, you know, fast forward, we really need it now for all of the obvious reasons. So uh, it's going to be a shift, just like when we first introduced makerspaces, you know, 15 years ago, people were like, oh, why would we let our kids go to that room and color? What's the point in building a cardboard house? I don't understand any of this. Well, of course, that took a little bit of time and effort and guidelines had to be put into play. And, you know, there are now a lot of schools where teachers totally understand Fab Lab Innovation Lab and makerspace. And. Uh, they may not always appreciate what that brings to the student, but they at least understand it. So I think our teachers and admins will totally see the value of wellness spaces as it becomes more critical to our school spaces for all of the obvious reasons.
0: I agree with like all those like poignant points, like that with as far as like shifting our collective mindset around um what is the next innovative thing that we need not just what we want or just what we hear about. Um, and yeah, it doesn't mean we need to replace maker spaces and and innovative labs that, cause that is still even more important than than it was in its origin. It's just that we need to, yeah, like pivot to an approach around, like, are we fully supporting learning and education right now today? And, um, there are definitely gaps and holes in the, it brings to mind that, the you know, with even schools that maybe don't have a, a big makerspace or a strong makerspace teacher, or maybe they don't, maybe because of scheduling, the teachers can't really access the space very easily for whatever reason. This is how innovation works, right? It's like that knowledge and the those resources and those tools and those lesson plans and those project ideas and the design thinking, that that's all been leaking into teachers' classrooms. And if you're a teacher that... Um, it's, I mean, it's not all teachers, but if you're a teacher that is somebody that, that really loves facilitating project-based learning and um, coming to things with a, an, like a curious mind, um, being more curious than certain, uh, if you want your students to really develop more project-based skills, um, you're going to be a teacher that wants to bring in these makers, makerspace and um, innovation and fab lab ideas into your integrated projects and units, right? And so what if, if you're a teacher in a school that maybe doesn't have the resources yet for a wellness space, or maybe they have one already, but it's, it doesn't um, always work with what your students need, maybe based on location or time, you know, I, I can see that if with the right intentions, you know, teachers can bring in some of these wellness activities, right? That, some of which you described that were at spring queue, like painting and drawing and listening and yoga and stretching. You know, what if they brought this into their student's day a little bit more intentionally as well um, to fully support that whole child, right? So it's not just um, like a black or white, like you're missing class, you're not missing class, but what if the whole class like learned some of these techniques so that when they do go step off outside of school or into the wellness space, they already know kind of what their body and mind might need um, which can be different for each student. So you're also, you're leaning into right. The social emotional learning and teaching is now going to evolve as well. I think.
1: Yeah. Um, I think this is a whole mentality change, right? I follow this person on Instagram call, and she has an account called the nap ministry and her whole basis is, In the United States, we thrive off of work and being busy when really we need to rest. She preaches the NAP ministry to say rest is a form of resistance, a resistance to our capitalist society of needing to produce and produce and produce some more and run ourselves down. And she's like, we need to rest. Take a deep breath. You are not being lazy. You are giving yourself the permission to rest from what you are currently doing so that you do not burn out. And I want to embrace this. I'm trying so hard to embrace this, but there is just this nagging thought because we just As a society, keep pushing ourselves like, what do you mean you're stagnant? What do you mean you're still at the same job? What do you mean you haven't been promoted? What do you mean you haven't done X, Y, and Z? You know, there is that societal pressure to do it all, right? Like, why can't I just be content? Why can't I just take a moment for my wellness and go to this wellness room so that I'm not overly stimulated in my brain? and everywhere else, even if doing these things bring me joy.
2: Yeah, we're seeing that a lot with our teachers right now, Val, right? Where we're seeing teachers that they ran themselves ragged during COVID as essential workers trying to manage classrooms online from home. Some of them, many of them had children themselves that they were then also trying to teach and parent while teaching in their job remotely from home. And then we come back and we're like, okay, well, now we're all back to normal, except our teachers, administrators, and support staff have come back more broken than they were before, more exhausted than they were before. And I'm hoping that as they're hearing about these concepts of wellness centers, um, counseling resources, wraparound services that are not new, but wellness centers that are really a new concept, that they think about that in a way not just for them, their students, but for themselves, right? Like, oh, okay, well, it's it's that, like, you know, let me demonstrate or model what I want you to do. So the school builds a wellness center for the students that embraces rest and quiet, might have sound therapy, might have things in there that smell good, that help the central nervous system reset, And then a teacher walks in there and is a little unnerved themselves or, you know, dealing with addiction or dealing with lack of sleep or overstimulated, whatever their scenario is, that they get some of those nuggets and apply them to their personal lives. That's a win in my mind, right? Being able to see from the perspective of the district or the school creating this space for students. And I still am going to advocate for these similar spaces for adults because it's not that much to to carve out if you have room at your school and in California. A lot of us are declining enrollment, so we have room in our schools. We we have a space that we can often flip for this need for the adults in addition to what we want to do for our kids. So I think that this is a critical time for us to rethink how we are supporting both our students that are not doing well and our teachers and support staff and bus drivers and principals, because they're not doing well either. We're, we're all in this not doing well together right now.
1: I think you bring up a really interesting point, Tracy, about having a separate space for teachers and for adults. In my mind, I was like, wouldn't it be great if teachers and students or staff and students are in the same space together? recognizing or knowing that this space is a space to recoup to gather yourself it is not a space for conversation right and for the students to see like oh my gosh look at that's an adult who also needs time to recuperate right we we tell our students that they can make mistakes we tell but oh, we're, we're perfect <laughs> we are perfect in front of our students right Um, And so wouldn't it be great to have actually this shared space with our students with this understanding that the purpose of the space is to gather yourself and that you are there to, you know, rest for a little bit, even just for five or 10 minutes.
0: Yeah. And like, I can see how whatever works best for your community, just developing these norms for these spaces that can be accepted and a and acknowledged by all people at the school Um, and if you can if you can present and promote it that way to your community I can see that working really well like these are our norms as a community whether you're a student or a teacher or an admin when you walk into this space these are examples of um, things that we should see um, hear and feel you know or just examples of activities that you should be doing or could be doing or just like, kind of like a library would, would possibly have, but maybe a little more specific to your school.
1: I like, I like that analogy to a library. Like we all walk into a library knowing what the expectations are, right? And to have the same type of expectation in this new space. And we talk about it, I don't know, more trainings, more trainings, but then it is information for our students to know how this space could be used.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of college when we, we there were certain libraries that you you just you were not allowed to to talk like this like they called them I think just like study libraries when you walk in there like your mouth is shut you're studying you're reading you're doing things silently and it worked
1: yeah we just have to set the norm so listeners what would what's your take right. If your school can implement this wellness space, what would it look like? When would it be used? What kind of understanding would you have with the students of the rules and climate in for the space? I don't think I'm saying it correctly.
2: No, no, I think you are. I think it's, it's a good question for our listeners. So you're out there, you're you're tuned in. You've heard about wellness spaces. We've described some of the things that Val and I experienced at Spring Q. Um, We're also in districts that are deploying wellness spaces. So we're still learning what it's going to look like in our districts. Um, Is it a conversation that's happening in your school? Is it something you hear that's coming down the pipe in your district? Uh, What might it look like in your space? What might it feel like? Um, I, I won't even ask the question if it's needed, because my assumption is that it's needed everywhere and always has been, right? It's just um, becoming more um, more encouraged and more normalized to say, I'm struggling. I talked about this a little while ago at a little get-together with a couple teachers where someone said, yeah, you know, I'm. I know folks that are having a hard time and and they're, you know, learning how to say I'm, I'm struggling. And and we talked about how you know, a number of years ago, a teacher sharing a mental health issue could have been terms uh, to be fired. So we're in a new era now. And I think um, all of us are encouraged to think about how this concept of wellness spaces might make our workplaces better and might make the experience for our students and our peers more manageable. Yes. And if you're a,
0: if you're a school leader out there of any variety, please uh, take any opportunity you have to gather feedback or ideas from your school community. Um, You might have to advocate for your school. Uh, I highly doubt that the state or national budget has a line item for school wellness rooms. You know, you might have to lead the way um, and gather, and to do that, it needs to be a community. And in my opinion, um, it needs to involve your community, because every person is going to have different needs or um, a perspective on what wellness looks like, feels like, sounds like for for themselves, um, and maybe for their own environment in general. Spread
1: the rest. <laughs> Spread the ability to rest.
0: Yeah, like. Be creative, be intentional,
2: and spread the glitter. And as you are thinking about what it would mean for you, what it would mean for your students, what it would mean for your community, just know that there are a lot of resources out there. Uh, In future episodes, we're going to be interviewing some of these individuals that are working on wellness, at least uh, in the state of California they're providing consulting services, they are wellness coordinators in their districts and schools. So you'll get a chance to hear from folks that are doing the work and have the resources and guidelines um, so that you can potentially introduce it to your district or your school. And again, if you're a leader out there, um, you know, you can make it happen. Yeah. And we'd love
0: to hear your ideas and insights. If you are currently working on a project like this at your school or would like to, um, send us your thoughts, your ideas, what's worked or what could work. Um, you can email struggle for change podcast at gmail.com. And please, um, if you are subscribing to Apple podcasts, you can listen to our podcasts on all platforms, by the way, but if you are an Apple podcast, um, fan, please rate and review us. Those ratings and reviews really make a difference on our impact to the community.
1: Feel free to visit us on our website at struggleforchange.com. You can find us on social media, on Instagram, Struggle for Change Podcast, on Facebook, Struggle for Change Podcast, and on Twitter, Strug the number four, change.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Struggle for Change. If you have a real story to tell about a struggle you or someone you know has faced in education or if you have an idea for a future episode, send us an email at struggleforchangepodcast@gmail.com, at gmail.com and we will be in touch. You can also find us at
2: struggleforchange.com.